was a level headed dancer on the road to alcohol. And I was just a soldier on my way to Montreal. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. No Brandon this week. Uh, we gave him the week off, but we do have Hunter Davidson, uh, Tech Hoops guy on Twitter, and uh, he's going to join me to talk about Tech Hoops. Imagine that. Um, he, We're going to kind of break down what we've seen so far, especially the Kansas game, and then what we have to look forward to over the next couple games. So here we go. All right, here we go. Hunter Davidson, a.k.a. Tech Hoops guy. So you can imagine what we're going to be talking about here. Um, so let's just get straight into it. I guess I'll ask you, how's it going? It's going good. <laughs> you, enjoying, you enjoying some tech basketball? Yeah, I mean, I um, wish we could have won some of these games, right? Right. Yeah. I've been to – I was thinking about it. I went to the UT game last year in Austin. Mm-hmm. We won. Yeah. And then I've been to um, Kansas, Kentucky, and then U of H. So it's kind of you know, three, three straight losses. And tough losses, all in a different way. Yeah. Um, well, and the Kansas – and I kind of felt like Kentucky at the end too kind of leads us into this first question that, that you had asked to you, which was, you know, what particular statistical areas do uh, does our offense need to improve in order to get back to our ceiling? Um, because it's like we were talking about before we hit record. There have been some – I feel like that's what's the biggest Achilles heel of beard teams is consistent offense. Yeah, so I'm going to – this will be long-winded, I think. Um, so when we first talked, you know, like what was the weakness for the team? And one of the things I mentioned just was the schedule. You know, the, yeah. uh, not as many non-conference games and then kind of the, it being compressed, playing these – really big games early in December. Um, and I, I can't find this quote. I want to say it was a podcast with uh, – it's a former coach. I, I, I need to spend a little more time looking for it. But I, I keep quoting Beard as saying that in a, in a typical year, he really doesn't focus on offense until, mm-hmm. like, the turn of the year. Like, yeah. it's, it's all – we practice a lot. We practice more defense than anybody from my understanding. Yeah. And once we have that kind of figured out, we've played games and we have an idea of what works offensively for us, like either whether it's just like players or like certain actions. And then, so once we've got our defense kind of in a place where we like it, then we kind of look at our offense and all right, what's been working, what hasn't been, and we refine it. Um, but don't quote me on that, but, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Beard <laughs> has said that in a, in a podcast. So when I'm getting ready for this season, it was like, okay, we're not going to be able to do that. Or if we, if we do, we're not going to be playing very good offense yeah. in some pretty big moments early in the season. Uh, so what I did was I looked through beer tenure at Tech and found um, 19 games before December 31st against, like, good teams, you know, like, quote-unquote good teams, however you want to define them. Yeah. Like Abilene Christian uh, slipped in here because I just did it at, like, a top 150 – Ken Palm team. Yeah. Uh, so 19 of, of games uh, before December 31st that Beers played. Uh, eight of those, essentially eight to 10 of those, are the worst offensive performances we've had under Beard. <laughs> so, like Auburn, his first year, uh, yeah. we lost in a, like, in the Caribbean. 
Uh, some like Boston College, we didn't play very well. We won the game. Seton Hall uh, in that turn, and I think I guess Madison Square Garden. We played Nevada and Lubbock. Didn't really play very good offense. Um, like the USC game, we were sluggish. In uh, the 2019, Memphis was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke was – they were good, right? But that was like the worst offense we, we've played. Yeah. Uh, you know, last year we had Iowa, Creighton, DePaul. Um, and so it's kind of uncanny. And then this year, U of H, Abilene Christian, and Kansas. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of uncanny to me that, you know, the first good teams that we play before the year – is some of the worst offense we played. It's just kind of consistent with that quote that I keep, maybe I'm misquoting, but that quote that Beard may or may not have said about <laughs> us not really focusing on offense until you know, later in the season. And then, so then I looked at the, the, the flip side, which was, you know, basically our top 25 best offensive performances. And I, I was looking at them like, like the raw numbers, like just purely points per possession. And then I was looking at like some adjusted ones, which accounts for how good the opponent is. Yeah. Uh, so only three of our top 25 uh, offensive performances were in these, like this set of games, the before the new year, non-conference playing a good team. So 10 were horrible. Three were good. There's some correlation there. 15 of our best 25 were after February 1st, mm-hmm. which is only represents like, eight or nine big 12 games usually and then the, and then the tournament so it's like a kind of a small portion of beard season accounts for uh you know almost like two-thirds or so of his best offensive performances uh, so there's some there seems to be something to this that earlier in the year we don't play as good of offense and then later in the year february march when things matter you know like it's a kind of a good time to be playing well right we, we are we do we do play well and then so, so with that, that's to me, that's one factor. We have a new team. We're probably trying to figure, focusing on defense, and we're you know just don't know really who we are like offensively. Uh, you know, for the U of H game, I was there. Um, the first half, we couldn't get anything going. Yeah, we, we went really, really small. Started pressuring them like full court and kind of uh, trying to create some offense with our defense. We, put, we played a little bit better, smaller. And then the games since, we've really relied on some, like, easy buckets, you know, forcing steals and, and yeah. getting out and running. And I was kind of, like, tweeting about it. Like, I wanted to take the under in the Kansas game because I didn't think we would be getting those kind of transition. Back. They can run. You know, Kansas can run just like we can run. Yeah. Uh, and we, we weren't really able to do that. And I think that's going to be something, you know, not every team in the Big 12 will be able to handle us because we, we do have some athletes, and we'll talk about that later, some oh, yeah. good things from the Kansas game um, that, I, that I saw. There's going to be some teams that will have problems with us, Yeah, just our athleticism, like how far away we defend, defend you. If you don't have, like, ball handlers that can bring the ball up, we don't really need to run that good of offense because right. we'll just take it from them. And yeah. Shannon's going to, like, try to break the rim or something. Yeah. Um, but when you play Kansas – we play Baylor. Some of these teams who can go small with us, U of H, um, we're going to have to figure out – we're going to have to make some shots. Yeah. And so, like, another comparison, I was looking back from the Final Four year. Um, we had some bad sh- shooting variants. We, 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 some might call it lucky, whatever. We weren't shooting well early in the season. We're not shooting well right now either. Yeah. Um, 
the, the first nine conference games in 2019, uh, we shot 26% on three-pointers. It was only 18% if you took Moretti out. Wow. Then the last nine conference games was basically the best shooting performance in some time in Big 12. We were 45% on a, on a lot more attempts, too. So it comes out like we made four more threes per game in the later half. Um, like in the first nine games, opponents made 13 more than us, 13 more threes than us. And then in the last nine, we made 21 more threes than our opponents. And that that's including that ridiculous Oklahoma State game where they made 14 more threes than us. Right. So take that out. We we had we made 35 more threes than our opponents in eight Big 12 games on that that ridiculous like magical run Jeez. in 2019. So, you know, like Beard says, averages will average out. I think our averages will average out. We, we're, we're not shooting very well as a team. Free throws, threes right now. I, I, I'm confident that Matt McClung and Kyler can shoot. Yeah. But I'm not as – you know, we may not have as many shooters as necessarily thought coming into the year. When we were talking about Joel playing and right. the possibility of Agbo – having like a, a bigger role uh, with those two seemingly, you know, Joel for sure out and Agbo kind of taking on, yeah, I think he might be a guy to next year or the year afterwards. Um, we don't have as many shooters. So it, it's a little bit tougher to run, to run offense for us, um, especially in the big 12. Cause yeah. it's just like, it's like the SEC in football. Well, right. the old SEC before, right. <laughs> they, yeah. before they became the big 12, but where it's just, I mean, everybody has good – plays good defense and everybody has, like, just freaks. And, and we – including us. I mean, we're – Right, oh, yeah. We kind of – it's almost like the Chris Beard effect. Like, yeah. Baylor and Kansas, they're starting to look like us. Right, like, yeah. They're, they're small. And they, they, you know, they run. They play really, really good defense. I mean, so it's not we, – we don't have necessarily, you know, like that elite – the elite eight team where we were like, we were a strange matchup. We yeah. were Justin Gray playing the five and like we, uh, our, our weird defense that nobody had seen. It's like, okay, here we are year three. People are starting to look like us personnel wise. And they've seen our defense a lot mm-hmm. by now. It's just, you know, uh, some growing pains, I guess, but um, I, I, I'm confident that, uh, you know, Beard will be, have some, has some ideas and, and we'll, we'll play some teams that aren't going to be as athletic or as good as Kansas. And, you know, we had plenty of chances to win that game oh, despite yeah. how poorly we shot the ball. So, well, that was the thing that got me is they went into that zone, which was as much as I hate to give self any credit was an awesome move um, because all we did, it seemed like was pass the ball around perimeter and then jack up a three and we weren't shooting well to begin with. And so that, that was playing right into their hand. And that was a spot when you were really out playing on my thought, but you couldn't put any points on the board and that ended up, you know, costing you there at the end. Yes. So going back to that question, yeah. What statistical areas we need to improve on? One of the ones I wrote down was zone playing against his own. We, on uh, Synergy, which is, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a website that yeah. coaches use. It breaks down the game and kind of charts the games for you. But we're in the 32nd percentile against the zone offensively, which is not good. I mean, yeah. bottom third, we're, we're normally much higher. And normally, well, I, you know, 
the last year's team and the year before, you didn't really want to play zone because we had, you know, like Moretti and like we would shoot you out of it. Yeah. Um, but like putting some numbers on how poorly we've shot, um, we're in the 25th percentile on jump shots. Um, and then this is where you, one of this is one of the things I kind of look at and to see like if teams are shooting to their capabilities is looking at how well they're shooting when guarded and how yeah. well when open. Yeah. And so when we're open, we're in the bottom 10 percentile in the country right now. When we're guarded, we're in the 73rd. So it doesn't follow, you know, you're not a better shooter when someone's defending it closely yeah. than you would be if you're open. It, right. those, those numbers tend to kind of track. Right. So hopefully the, the true number that is that 73rd percentile. So we'll start seeing us move from 25 and 10 up to the, the top half or you know, really the top quarter in the country. Right. But so that that's, you know, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, you just got to keep shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And Beard will get frustrated when people ask him about our shooting because he doesn't, he has the right approach, like from whether you're gambling or whether you're coaching, I, I think gamblers can learn from, from Beard. He talks about the process, you know, yeah. like creating a good shot. And if it goes in, great. If not, just create another good shot. Yeah. You just can't really worry about <laughs> when, when you miss. Yeah. Well, thing, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going down my list of yeah. PV. I think, Mike, what we'll see, and this isn't like a slide on PV, he's, just, this is, he's a freshman. I think we will see him progress. You know, he, you know by his 20th game, he's going to be, a, I think, a factor, at, yeah. like in terms of helping our offense out in, in the half court. So that is something I think will, will help us. It's just his – Right now it's all awesome. Yeah. He's like, I mean, um, it's offensive boards, putbacks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Guys, he, he's, he's got serious potential. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are a couple – just a sharper Kyler. I think he would – you know, he'd tell you the same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's – I like the way he's playing. He just need to make some of these shots. Yeah. And, and he will. Um, but well, we, we've been mean? really, really Sorry. effective pick and roll, doing some pick and roll stuff. I was going to ask Mac. you about that. Yeah. I mean, um, we weren't good at it last year, but we, we – have scored really well as like the, the ball handler uh, yeah. Mac and Kyler have scored really effectively out of pick and roll stuff. So maybe that's, you know, would, when, when we typically kind of assess and see when we're doing things, what we're doing well, that might be something in a typical, a normal year where in the later half we would be using it a lot more. And, and now maybe we're having, you know, maybe doing that earlier and, yeah. and might see more of that going forward, just kind of, letting Mac or Kyler just take a pick and roll at the top, like a NBA team. That's, and I think that's why people get frustrated with the offense is because the, the motion is not typical. And so when it doesn't work, it's easy to point at that and say, nobody else does this. This is why, because it's antiquated. It doesn't work. Um, and then, and I fall into that too. And especially like looking at the numbers, like Mac looks good off the pick and roll. Like you said, Kyler scored well off of it. And it's just like, why not do more of it? And I, and that's the question. I don't know. I don't know if Beard's comfortable with it or if he's motion all day, every day and, and how that works, but I'd love to see more pick and roll. And one thing I was going to ask you is what worries me about the shooting and why I'm not totally confident it will go up significantly is, you know, like when scouts are looking at, guys going from college to the NBA, they look at free throw percentage almost as much as they look at what they're shooting. Mm 
And if that, if that is true for our team, then I feel like it's about where it needs to be because our free throw percentage is awful. And it, and our guys shooting free throws look awful. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've noticed that, but like PV's got this her, like horrible hitch in his free throw. I don't, I don't like, it's not in his regular shot. Like, I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. You tell me if I'm wrong. I've looked at it. I'm not like, a. I don't know anything about like shooting form. Yeah. So I'm, I wouldn't be one to say like, that's perfect or that's got something weird going on. Um, so I, I've kind of tried to look for the hitch. Haven't really noticed it, but I've just seen him, you know, he's two for 13 from the line. Yeah. So that that's kind of, to me, that's, there's gotta be maybe something mental there, but it's also a really small number. I mean, 13, you, you can't really draw a ton of conclusions there. Like if he was 12 for 13, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair to say he's a great free throw shooter, just yeah. like, you know, the inverse. But so I've been, you know, the free throw thing is weird. Like McClung, is 85%. I mean, he's in the top 200 and with in the country. Namari is 23 of 27. He's in the top 160. Kyler's 78%. He's in the top 400. Yeah. Shannon's 21 of 29, 72%. So, I mean, our four. So is it just timely? Are we missing? It's like our four guys time? that will be taking a lot of shots, hopefully, have shot it well, maybe even great. You know, if you just looked at those, those four guys. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's weird and it's, 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 you know, super frustrating to miss free throws, obviously. Um, but it's early, you know, and yeah, I, I think that, that final four team had a, a percentage from the free throw line that was almost identical to what ours is right now at this yeah, point. In the year. That's a good point. So it's just, you gotta, you need a little bit more, a little bit more data points to know for sure. But we've got, you know, guys that got, Kyler and Matt can shoot free throws. Yeah. Marcus Santos Silva maybe not as well. Right, uh, he's you know he's shooting fifty percent, and I and I know he's working on it. We see those pictures after the game. Right, but yeah, that was just my one pause, like for like my one concern when when we talk about you know PV improving as a shooter. Just like well, I hope his free throw percentage isn't <laughs> a prediction how it usually is. Um, and the thing the thing about PV though that it's almost a good thing. Like if he if he was eighty five percent. And was shooting threes, like he's gone. And yeah. he, he's not going to play that. This is his last year at Tech. Right. I mean, it still might be, but right. it's almost like I could live with him being a poor free throw shooter if it means coming back. He's got some things that he needs to work on to become a lottery pick. Right. Yeah. You know, in a guy who you mentioned earlier and who I think could help the shooting some is Ogbo, and. It's like you got that question, like you'd think he'd fit everything Beard wants to do. He's a perfect Beard player, four-star recruit, and yet, like I forgot about him against Kansas. I mean, he hasn't played nearly as much as he did to start the year. Yeah, Uh, and I, you know, I was one of the ones thinking he would or had a chance to really play. I think so so the question was why is he not playing as much as maybe we thought. I think a, a big reason might be Tariq, uh, Tariq Smith. I mean, he he's good. I mean, he he can impact the game, and and the the minutes that are available to either Tariq or uh, Agbo, we, we kind of need a specific skill set like rim protection, 
somebody who can foul and somebody who can just bang and, and, and be really, really active. And he's, and Tyree can do that. I mean, he's really kind of flashed doing that in that role. So he is, to me, he's taken a bit, he's taken away an opportunity for Agbo, but, he, but Agbo could still, if he shoot, like, well, I know he can, and he's kind of shown it this year. Yeah. Uh, he would have a chance, but obviously there's something there and it's got to be in just process of elimination. It's just got to be defense yeah. and maybe not necessarily like defense, but just plan the role in, in, in Mark Adams system. I mean, like sometimes I'll, I've circulated them or uh, yeah, like I'll tweet about it. Like just watch like Terrence Shannon in, in like consecutive possessions. Yeah. And like the things that we ask of Terrence and, and particular, you know, particular players like Justin Gray back in the day or Zach Smith or even Tariq Owens, but like they have to like guard the ball far from the basket. They've mm-hmm. got to like run out and close out on shooters in the corner. They've got to defend the other team's center in the post. They've got to box out in like really horrible, like compromised positions. Yeah. Boxing out guys under the basket or boxing out guards that have like running starts that they're not on. They're having to like switch, like rotate and then box out. I mean, these are, you have to be super athletic. You've got to like know what you're doing within the system. You got to be big and like physical. It's just, it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's not, he may not be ready for that yet. And that's no slide on him. It's just like, not everybody, not everybody is, Yeah. Not, you know, we're talking about, you know, Justin Gray and Zach guys that were doing that in their fourth and fifth year. And, and Terrence Shannon, who's a freak. And yeah. you know, Terrence Shannon is a freak of nature. Oh yeah. That, that guy, I mean, I, I want to, I'm curious if he could, you know, like rush the passer or something. That guy is <laughs> he, I'm sure he could. So yeah, with Agbo, I mean, I'm not, I think he's going to be just fine. You know, um, maybe not quite ready this year to, to be in the role that's available, you know, that we have that he could win, you know, the minutes he could win, he, he might not be ready to win those minutes right now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's almost like you said with PV, like, kind of a year having another year with him not that he was was going to be a one and done guy but just another year to learn and being Riley's strength and conditioning program is absolutely going to help only going to help one one thing that you mentioned there that I have a question um you talked about Tariq Smith what do you think I, I almost like maybe I'm just reactionary off of the Kansas game but it's like I want to see him play more like I, I thought maybe it's matchup dependent but I thought he brought more than Santos Silva did. And maybe Santos Silva was limited with the foul trouble. I just liked what I saw from Smith in his minutes against Kansas. Yeah. And I think maybe what you said, matchup dependent, like if we were playing West Virginia in that game, like when we were playing Kansas and Marcus was in foul trouble the way he was, yeah. you know, he might play a lot more than nine minutes. But like yeah. Kansas was going small. Yeah. I mean, there was just, it didn't matter how good you were as a big. There were there times not there a whole lot of guards on the floor. Yeah, there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for you. So, yeah, yeah I'm looking at like, Tyreek played nine minutes. Uh, Santa Silva played 19. So, if you think of it like, you know, there were only 25, 28 minutes for a big to be on the floor in the game. And Tyreek played maybe 33% of them. Yeah. And so, if it was a 40-minute big game, you know, maybe that means he's going to play 15 minutes. Right. Like, if it was – just depending on who the who the matchup is, but uh, he's one of the ones that uh, I've been you know surprised about just because I didn't know really much about him. But I mean, he 
he can impact the game. He, he's a big dude, and he uh, can protect the rim. He can do some things we need for sure. I mean, that, that highlight where he, he blocked it and then ran the court and dunked it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Very nice. Like I said, it was I may be a little reactionary just based on the Kansas game, but I just liked what I saw. Um, another question that you got that we wanted to talk about was the uh, the one about how, you know, obviously we all know Beard is awesome. He's turned around this program, is, you know, putting it lightly. Um, but if you had a nitpick, and we had talked about this a little bit before we hit record, if you were to nitpick something that you think is his biggest flaw, something he needs to improve on the most, be it philosophy, recruiting strategy, in-game decisions, you name it, you know, what would it be? Yeah, so I don't feel qualified to, you know, say that Beard doesn't – is poor in one area or, or anything like that. And I've had people ask me, you know, like about the end-of-game situation stuff and, see, you know, seems like maybe we don't get a great shot. And I think, yeah, I, like from my recall, just like anecdotally, um, the DePaul game, we kind of had a bad shot at the end. It was like a 28 from Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Uh, and then the one the other night was another one. But it sounds like we didn't do what we drew up. Right. You know, like Beard may not have – we obviously didn't want Shannon driving right and pulling up for a jumper uh, in that situation, considering how good he is going to his left hand. I mean, he never goes right, ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in that moment, he does. Um, but so I, I find it hard to believe that Beard is not good at end of the game situations, right. but I don't know for sure. I don't have anything. I'm not that kind of like X's and O's type guy to be able to say for sure. But I would say one thing I will, the only thing I'll say here, and I, cause only cause I've heard Beard say it himself is he is not very patient. And, and like, and I think that applies like to more than just applies to everything. Like he, he specifically said it after the, um, the Florida game, uh, the, I guess that was Sweet 16, a round of 32, yeah. round of 32 game in Dallas. Uh, I think we were winning by – there's a close game at halftime, and, and we were playing the game we wanted to play. Like, it was our pace. It was our tempo. We were doing the things we wanted. And Beard said afterwards, like, he was getting frustrated because the scoreboard wasn't reflecting how well we were playing. Right. And he said, you know, like, Mark Adams and Chris Ogden and, you know, these guys were like, it's a long – you know, telling him, got to be patient. It's a long game, you know, getting in Beard's ear, almost, you know, doing what he does to the players. And Beard mentioned, like, yeah, this is – I needed that in that moment. Right. It's, so, I think you can see some of that, his lack of patience in, in other areas. You know, like, moving on from guys pretty quick. Yeah. Like, that, uh, you know, he's just not a very patient guy. It'd but be there's nice some, to have there's some pros. <laughs> there's some pros to that, too. It's not like it's a, just a vice all the way. Yeah. You know, I think we benefit a lot by his lack of patience. Like – our quick turnaround a patient person doesn't take tech basketball to the final four you know oh, yeah. four or five years totally agree yeah. um so yeah that that's what i would say yeah you know my biggest and like i said we talked about it before the late game thing and and again just like the tyreek smith talk it may be a little reactionary because you see bill self draw up two really good out of bounds plays to end the game. One gets a foul, one easy bucket, and then you see ours. And it's like, you, I mean, it's just so easy to compare the two. And you compound that on the last year where how many late games, late half leads did we blow or just finish halves and games terribly. 
And then the thing that always drives me crazy is the final possession before overtime in the national championship game. But I do think it goes back to a little bit of the, you only remember the bad ones, you know, like tech has won close games too. Um, and so I, but my memory automatically goes to all the times we've crapped the bed basically. And so I would really have to go back and actually look at it and before I really dug into a criticism because I think it's just my personality to remember <laughs> or have most people's is to remember the times that didn't work instead of the ones. For that sure. It, exactly. That, yeah. You said that maybe better than I could. And another thing is in some of the situations we're remembering the DePaul one that I brought up yeah. or the Virginia one there, you know, your chance of being successful is kind of low in those, like the odds of you, um, you know, making a three to win against DePaul on a buzzer beater. It aren't that high. And, right. and like the odds of you, um, you know, like scoring against Kansas from a side out of bounds uh, in that situation, it's not over 50%, you know, right. I'll, I'll tell you that. So right. we're, you know, we're, we're remembering situations where we don't have a, a really high chance of being successful and we weren't. And like you're saying, those are the ones we remember the ones when we are successful, uh, we don't remember them or we played so well, earlier that we weren't in that position you know so but yeah it it'd be interesting I, it, to see if someone actually you know spent time to like look to see close game you know like tied up with certain parameters like how well we've we've fared right but I, I i don't know and i think it it also comes down to the players you have at your disposal because we talked about the athletic freaks that we've had on the roster currently have on the roster but to me, Keenan Evans was your last go-get-a-bucket guy, like that you could depend to get a good shot when it mattered. You know, for as good as Culver was and Mooney, I still would take Keenan over them. And so maybe it's just strength and weaknesses of a roster where you don't have a guy just to give the ball up top. And maybe McClung can be that guy. Give him the ball, get a shot. We live and die with that shot. Like I – I'll do that with Keenan every day of the week when he was here. You know, maybe we just – maybe it's just roster construction that way. Yeah, and another another part of it is I've just, like, pulled it up. You know, like, Keenan Evans, like, I'm, you know, 2015, he played 36 minutes against OU, and he guarded, you know, like, Buddy Heald and Isaiah Cousins. He was a yeah. true freshman. Right. Yeah, like, he, he, he went through the wars, like, oh, of the yeah. Big 12. He played against every – badass point guard in the big 12 in like a four-year period i mean that, that guy was pretty seasoned and experienced i think there's that might have played a role as well yeah yeah that's true and that's something i again i don't consider you know that he was old by you know college basketball standards because i even watching cade cunningham you know in oklahoma state when they lost to TCU a couple weeks, maybe it was last weekend, it brought back so many memories of Jemias last year of trying to run and finish a game through a freshman, unless that freshman is just absolutely special, which they say Kate is, it still looks not great, you know. So maybe experience is just the biggest deal. Um, But past those questions, what did you think of the Kansas game? Because I think, wasn't it you, I may be mistaken it, but – didn't you comment on the board that you're more encouraged after that game than anything else or anything that's happened yet? Yeah. And I think, um, and maybe it was during the game too, or yeah. that, that I said that 
what, what stood out to me was just like athletically, there was like no difference between the two teams. Right. I, I don't think anyone, you know, if you, if you took like a basketball expert who somehow didn't know anything about college basketball or Kansas being this, the program they are and just watch the game, they would, you know, they wouldn't know if you asked them to say, well, you know, which team is the one that's you know, won 70,000 straight championships or whatever they have besides the one we won. Yeah. I, I think they would have, a, they'd pause because um, just athletically and like physically, there was just not a big difference between the two teams. I mean, they were making more shots yeah. than we were and making some more free throws. But like in terms of like creating good shots, there was, we were creating good shots against yeah. them. To, no, and I, we weren't doing it at a high rate, but, but no one will against Kansas. And, you know, like some of the, that uh, it's like shot quality. It's a pretty interesting like concept. This guy's got where he, they, uh, just assign a point value to every shot that's taken in a game. You know, yeah. if it's an open three, that's going to have a higher point value than a contested two, two right. pointer fading away. And so they don't, you know, they rank teams based solely on that. It has nothing to do with whether the shot went in or not. You could be 0 and 30 and be the unluckiest team in the history of the world, taking nothing but open threes and clanking them. Uh, and uh, they'd have you at the top. And right. we like really outperformed Kansas uh, according to that, you know, that metric. Right. Um, and I saw that with my eyes, you know, I just oh, kind of yeah. watching the game unfold, but it, you know, we kind of, we kind of kicked them around a little bit, to be yeah. honest with you, like on the, on the, like when they went small to mm -hmm. be small with us, it, it was still advantage tech. I yeah, thought definitely. from like yeah. a physicality standpoint, you know, like some of their, you know, we had some freshmen they had some young guys too, but um, you know, like Micah PV, Terrence Shannon uh, and some of those guys, like they didn't, there's not many of those walking around. Well, that's when we went on our – that was when PV got that big or those two big offensive rebounds. And wasn't it, is that the time of the game you're talking about? And yeah. Because, like, yeah, that was what stood out to me. It was like – and I think I sent this in our text. It was like, I feel like we're dominating and we're up – we were up by like four. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> and then they get kind of two ticky-tack fouls and make both the free throws and it's a tie game. Yeah. But I guess what, what I was seeing, you know, like mid-December and watching – watching us play and, I, and I'm thinking about what we should be you know in late February and March the the stuff that we were seeing like the just how athletic we looked and and that's not going to go that that shows up every day that's yeah. not like that just doesn't like just shoot like jump shooting or or hitting in baseball or making putts and golf like where it's some days you have it and some days you don't No, that like Terrence Shannon's just always going to be six foot seven or whatever super explosive and someone that nobody can really like, keep off the offensive glass. Like he's just always going to be like that. But well, eventually I'm, the hope is we're going to start running good offense, you know? So you combine running good offense with the defense, which is outstanding as, as nor as usual. And then how athletic we are. That's hopefully, you know, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing when I was watching that game, just thinking like number one, there's going to be teams that won't be able to handle what we were doing to Kansas. Kansas can handle it because they're Kansas and other teams in our conference can handle it. Unfortunately, quite a few of them because they're really, really good, yeah. but, a, but there's just not a whole lot of teams that can. And, you know, so hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of run away from those teams. And then by the time we are playing some that actually can match up with us, we'll have figured out some things offensively. That's, right. 
that's the thought. I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't see the whole, like, we, we can't rebound or anything. I mean, we really, we rebounded really well against Kansas. Yeah. I, I promise you Bill Self is doing some kind of internal look right now as to why they were, they had so much trouble with us on yeah. the glass. And the answer is Micah Peavy and Terrence Shannon and some of these guys are athletic. I mean, yes. and it's really hard to box out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple times on free throws, like I saw PV and Shannon like shoving their guys out of the way. It, it, like Kansas made them, but if they didn't, they were right there for the rebound, you know? And, and that's like, we, that you love we're talking about rebounding. Can't not mention Marcus Santos Silva and rebounding. I mean, yeah. that, that dude, I mean, he didn't play much. Yeah, 19 minutes, he had five rebounds in, in 19 minutes, but uh, he, he's a force down there too. Yeah, we, and we, it's clear to me, you know, Beard sees something in the – sees something beneficial long-term in developing an offense that runs through him. Yeah. And it makes sense, you know, like playing inside out. That's what Bill Self's done for however long. Yeah. And we haven't really had anybody like Silva to where we could do that. And we have – it just hasn't really been fluid yet. You know, like when he's there, when he has like a seal – on a guy, we don't get it to him like quick right. enough. And when we do get it to him, it's like not in really a good spot or we see it at like a, a couple seconds too late. Um, but we're, we're still, we're still trying, you know? Um, well, you know, I, that's kind of interesting to me, like moving forward, yeah. how much we still try to do that. And if we're able to figure it out, how effective it would be because Beard sees something in that. You know, he, he definitely wants to play, have the ability to play through him. I don't think he wants to do it all the time. I think okay. he's perfectly happy having McClung take his guy off the dribble because that's a really effective offense too. Yeah. But how much of the offensive struggles do you think, and you mentioned this in our preview, come down to just you're integrating a lot of new parts, you know? I mean, that it's as simple as that. That's not a good explanation, but it could also be the biggest issue. I agree. Yeah. And that's kind of what – Somebody asked Beard, you know, what do you – when you see a team that starts out playing really well offensively, what is the cause of that? And he yeah. said it's continuity. You know, like you see guys that have just been playing together for a couple of years. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll go with Beard and, and saying that that is something that he has tracked internally, you know, that the program has tracked. Like when you have a team that's been together a long time, they're going to play well offensively compared to a team that's just as good but it's all new, new pieces. Right. And I mean, there's a lot of common sense to that. And yeah, I mean, we've got, we, to me, it's crazy to, to think that we're not going to be good on offense. And I, I see we have not played well offensively. Right. And, and in fact, we've had two of the worst, really three of the worst, Abilene Christian, U of H, Kansas. It's three of the worst offensive games in the Chris Beard era as we've seen in the last month. Yeah. But We've, you know, McClung and, and Shannon and Kyler and some of these guys will probably, uh, you know, I think we have the tools there to figure it out. When it's just a matter of when and if it's too late. And then it's kind of a matter of you can still lose. Like we can play well offensively and still lose. That, that's how good this con the, con the teams are in this conference. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what's scary about it to some extent. Because cool. you, lose, you lose a game like that, like the one the other night, and, you know, you're still the same team. Yeah. And, and, you might, you know, we still are just as likely to to be playing as 
to the best of our abilities by February or March, but we could still lose games yeah. playing to the best of our abilities. And if we lose enough, and then we've lost enough when we could have won them, you know, U of H in Kansas, that's a problem. Well, and that, I think that was the biggest deal with the Kansas loss to me is I feel like you almost – if you win that game, it's almost like you put some money in the bank for later. Like you win that game, you know, maybe you, you have some margin for error later. Um, but losing it and then especially losing it the way you did when you feel like you outplayed them, you just didn't do enough, quite enough to win. And I think that's the most frustrating thing is now like the margin for error is that much slimmer you have to get better on offense that much quicker or, you know, things, I don't know. I don't want to say start to snowball, but it's like you said, you're not always, sometimes you may play well offensively and still lose. And so now that, that, that margin for error is that much smaller. Um, But, you know, just kind of looking ahead, I don't know if you've watched Oklahoma at all or looked into any of their stuff um, and they're up next. Um, But what do you, what do you look at going forward, Oklahoma specifically, but just in general, as we get into the thick of conference play. No, I mean, you said it. Like, it's not a must win because it's just crazy to think that a game December 22nd is a must win. But six and – if we lose, you know, six and three, oh and two in the Big 12, that's – we have a long – we've got a problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had we have beaten Kansas, this losing in Norman is something I think good teams are going to do this year. Even like you know, great teams will could do this year. Yeah. So it wouldn't, you know, being one and one wouldn't be the end of the world. There, we would have held serve at home and against Kansas and and lost again, dropped a game on the road, which other teams in the conference race will do. Right. So even if we win, you know, we're not in as good a shape as we would have been had we split the other way, Kansas right. and then OU. And this is gonna be a tough game. Like they've got some guys like. Uh, Reeves and Brady Manick, and those guys have been there for a long time. Yeah, they're they can also they can shoot. They've got that old point guard Davion Harmon, who's really good. They've got a big who's good. Um, I haven't really seen him much. Just like look, looking at him on paper, he's a big dude. Kerr Quath, K U R K U A T H. So six foot ten, two twenty. He was there. La- I want. I think he was there last year as well. Yeah. But he's. I mean, he's. Uh, you know, he's seventy five percent from the field this year. <laughs> the guys impacting games. We're going to be, I mean, we're probably going to have more talent than them. It's not going to be some huge difference, though. I well, mean, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask. Is it one of these games, like you mentioned, that we could kind of – we're just get better athletes? No. I, and, and here, filibuster, I'm sure the line is out. I haven't seen it. I would guess it's it's going to be less. It's like two or three points. Oh, I, mean, I just saw it. It's uh, ESPN has it at uh, Texas Tech minus one point five. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking. These are coin flips. Just yeah. like the Kansas game was a coin flip, we'll have another coin flip. We need to win. We need to be on the right side of this one badly. Yeah. And I, you know, these are the these are the kind of the games where um, it just seems like you know going back to the anecdotal thought like that we don't play well in the in the last possession to win or you know anecdotally I'm thinking these are the games where like we normally play really well you know Beard kind of whenever his back's against the wall typically especially no classes kind of a long uh, time to prepare for this one they killed us last year in Oklahoma City kind of the same nucleus of guys 
like embarrassed us. One yeah. of the worst losses maybe in the beard era. Oh yeah. Um, it just it seems like it's a spot to where we will get a uh, super dialed in Chris Beard team. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And it's like you said, I keep going. I won't, I can't get it out of my head now that you said it, you know, if, if you're six and three, Oh, and two in the big 12, it's like, that is not a good spot to be in. No. <laughs> I mean, you are in a hole, you're officially in a hole that you are going to have to climb out of, you know, um, Kind of like last year, really. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was about to say is it's crazy to think about, and Bill has said this on the broadcast, the last college or the last NCAA tournament game that was played was the Tech against Virginia national championship game. And to think back, basically, you know, our game in the Big 12 tournament against Texas, a lot of people thought it was a play-in game to get in. Yeah. And that's – it's just wild to think you went from playing in the national championship to after, you know, all the good things you do to have a playing game against Texas in the Big 12 uh, tournament. Like, I don't want to be in that situation again is basically what I'm saying. You know, I want to, I want to be able to have it locked up by then. And yeah, I don't I think, think if you start 0-2, I don't think that's happening. The good news is if you look at the college, like the college football playoff committee and, like, kind of all the uproar, yeah. about some of these teams not getting left out. I think there, there's going to be something very, very similar happening in March Madness when the lower conference teams are – some of them are not even playing non-conference. Some of them are playing only a few games. And it's, it's going to be hard for them to, to get at-large bids. I think you're going to see a lot more, like, Power 5-type conference teams get in with, like, records that look really weird just due to the not playing – you know, 30-something games, but, you know, like like Tech's – or a Big 12 team specifically, you know, could lose, could go have some, like, 9-9 nine and nine record or something. I don't know how that would work out, but, like, a 500-type record. But if they win, you know, eight or nine Big 12 games, they're probably – they're in. Right. Yeah. But – so uh, – but, like you said, I don't want to have to be that one of those teams. And – but if we are, I wouldn't want to play us. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we are – I mean – we are still maybe within the conference. We're not as much of like a, a really oddball team to play. Yeah. Like whether it be like our, our, our the motion and the no middle defense and playing really, really small, like teams, you know, Baylor is like a carbon copy of us now, yes. yeah, but, it drives me nuts. but with like really good players. Yeah. Um, but outside, you know, like in the tournament, NCAA tournament setting, we will be still kind of a, a really strange matchup and, instead of like a really strange matchup with, you know, God love them, you know, like uh, Justin Gray type guys. It's a really strange matchup with Micah Peavy and Terrence Shannon and, you know, Mac McClung, some of these you know, really, really good basketball players. Yes. It's not, it's not just like a gimmick no. um, uh, of styles. It's a, it's a, a weird style with really good players. Yeah. And so I, you know, even if we are, even if we somehow, kind of go into a spiral here and kind of catch ourselves late, we'll still be a really tough out, I think, as long as we get in. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, and that's, that's what's so fun about rooting for this team. And I don't want to always bring it back to comparing basketball to football. But 
it's so fun to root for this team because you know you have a chance going into every game. Like you're, like you said, like I remember last year, you got you, you'll get blown out. That's just the nature of basketball. But you're never going into a game thinking, man, we're gonna have to get all the breaks. We're gonna have to get lucky. Like I haven't felt like that since Beard was the coach. Where I feel like we can play with just about anybody, and we'll be right there. And it's just a matter of can we finish it off or not. And it's just a good feeling to go into games that way. Yeah, and this team is kind of um, like a maybe a, I don't know, like microcosm or of beard in in that sense. Like kind of what you're describing is they can they have a really I think they have a high ceiling. Yeah, and maybe they'll a low floor, but but if you're if you're trying to win, if you're trying to win the national championship. I mean, that's just and and to do that, you have to win six games in a row yeah. against really good teams. Yeah, and like the kind of team that maybe can win. Uh, the conference or like maybe that Virginia team that lost to a 16 seed a couple of years ago, right. the kind of team that can win 27, 28 games does not necessarily mean they're the kind that can win six straight. Right. Yeah. And, and just like the kind, you know, a team, a team, our final four team where we won, you know, we were, we had gotten smoked by Kansas, played bad against Arkansas yeah. and, and didn't look that great at that point. And then we just kind of reel off all those wins this team, to me, is could lose ten games this year, but still have a really good chance of winning six straight. And and it's a it's a product of Beard is you know intentionally creating a team that has the highest chance of winning six straight games in late March and April. And yeah. some of that is what we're talking about, like developing an inside out game with Silva, yeah. or uh, waiting, you know, getting defense squared away first, and then. Uh, looking at offense and then seeing, you know, taking a slower, more methodical approach offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not trying to beat Abilene Christian by 60 points right. by, you know, the easiest way possible. He's trying to beat them in a way that sets us up to be the best team we can be in April. And it's just the COVID year, I think, has thrown a wrench in some of that for us by the, by the way the schedule's playing out. Because we yeah. shouldn't be playing Kansas right now. Right. I mean, that's true. Yeah. You know, that's a good point you make about building a team to win six games in a row. You know, I, I follow the NBA more closely than I do college basketball as a whole. But they, they always talk about, is he an 82-game player or is he a 16-game player? And, you know, because they talk about guys like Eric Bledsoe, who is awesome in the regular season, and you can't play him in the playoffs. Or a lot of big guys are like that, too. They just get played off the floor. Rudy Gobert, those types. And – and you're right, though. Like, what's the point of beating a team, an Abilene Christian team, by 60 if you're going to lose to a 15 seed or whatever? You know, so I think that's a really good way to put it in perspective. Is we're building, we're hoping, we're we're looking at Chris Beard building a team that's that's aim is to win six in a row, not necessarily blow everybody out during the season. So I don't know. I, I think that's a really good way to to kind of put everything we've talked about in a bow. Yep. And the one thing we haven't really talked about that I would that I've have been monitoring and really is our full court. We didn't really do it much against Kansas. Is some of these full court pressure looks and and so one of the questions was like, what does Kevin McCuller do when he comes back? Oh yeah, yeah. And he's not like unless he's gotten a lot better, which I'm sure he has. He's not just this lights out shooter, but he does everything else pretty well. Um, and you know what what it, what Adams has been doing with some of the full court stuff with PV and Shannon 
and like Kyler and McClung kind of playing like a free safety role almost uh, behind them. McCuller is going to be a guy that can is going to fit in with some of these full court pressures some somehow some way. I mean that he's long, he play he could, can really defend, um, and so I think we might be seeing if we're not if we can't score at a at a rate that is acceptable, you know, to Beard and, and like half court offense, we might be. I think you'll see us doing it more and more and more the the full court stuff and just kind of forcing the issue on teams speeding them up and and trying to beat them down the court if they take a quick shot or if we turn them over because we we have potential to really be effective doing that oh yeah from from where i sit yeah i mean it's like you talked about just with the athletes that we have and so like with that being said do you think mccullers our most valuable defender or is he just the most versatile allows you to do the most or does that make him the most valuable yeah i would say um yeah, you know, we answered this bef- before, and I think I said Silva yeah. was our most – well, I think maybe phrased most important defender, yeah. and with McCuller being the best defender. Right. And yeah. if I answer that now, it would be Shannon. Shannon are most important to me yeah. just because he how, how versatile he is and how he guards so many different positions. If McCuller was, was healthy and playing all year, he might be kind of doing some of those things that Shannon's doing, and he mm-hmm. might be my answer. Right. Um, but I would say that uh, McCuller is probably our best on-ball defender, you know, guarding the ball. Yeah. But um, Shannon, I think, is maybe our most important just from everything he does. is, is he, he rebounds. He, he, he guards every position. I mean, he does everything yeah. for us. And with a guy like him out on the court, you almost – that frees Shannon – that it just knocks everybody down a peg. It's like Shannon, instead of having the, the, the toughest matchup and having to carry a load on offense, now he has the second hardest matchup, and so he can put more into the offensive end of the game, and maybe that improves sure. our offense. So, yeah, I mean, McCullough's just one of those guys, like you throw it in there, and it almost seems like everything makes more sense than it does right now, which I'm sure is partly true because you expect to have him. You don't, you don't expect an injury like that, but, you know, just have Well, yeah, him. and McCullough can rebound too. Yeah, like he, he is crafty, sneaky. Like, I don't know how – last year he was banging banging with people. He had four offensive rebounds against Kansas last year yeah. in 24 yeah. minutes. Yeah. This is yeah. ridiculous. He had eight total rebounds. And he had, like, yeah, he had a string of conference games where, you know, when Chris Beard and everyone says he was our quote-unquote best player, where, I mean, he was, I mean, it was like seven or eight rebounds a game for from McCuller. And he's yeah, – he's just – assisting shots he's shooting a lot of two-pointers uh, yeah I mean he may not be he may be our best player he may not play that way just because of the injury and what happened and yeah. maybe rushing him back and it, it, it may not look like much um, of an addition early on I don't know maybe he is Superman and, and just comes back right away um, but like we're saying in March late March and April when it counts and we need to win six in a row he might be our best player by then I would find that hard. Mac McClung to me is our is our best player, and I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Like just watching the games, I agree. He's, our, he's our best shooter. He, we haven't had really someone who can create like him off the dribble. Like Keenan couldn't. Keenan just made super hard shots. Like he yes. wasn't like creating all this separation. He was just no. making a shot. Yes, you know, like McClung is kind of like the opposite of him, where he he's like creating. He he creates a ton of separation. You know, just off the dribble. He's, 
he's got some moves. Yeah, and that's something I think that surprised me a little bit. But I think it's just because you see his Instagram highlights and and then you see that kind of compared to what he did at Georgetown, which was mostly like, look at this guy. All he can do is dunk. Look how bad he is in every other aspect of the game. Um, but watching him day in, day out, you know, every Tech game, it's like this dude can play. And then maybe he's he's just gotten better. I mean, Billis said it on the broadcast, like, this is not the Mac McClung we saw at Georgetown. And so that, you know, that's a credit to Beard and his staff, obviously. But I agree with you. I think he is the best player. And I think it's a good thing that he's our best player because I, I think he's our most skilled player offensively. Absolutely. So I, I don't think there's a problem with that. And we, you know, we, the bottom line is you can't win games without playing well offensively in the half court. I mean, you, you can, but you can't beat like great teams. You can't. You can't do what we want to do this yeah. season. And we and the way our team is built currently, we are not going to be effective in the half court if Kyler or Mac don't show up and, and like, you know, have good games, both of them, really. And, and if one has a kind of a bad game, the other one needs to play, like, really well. And, you know, Kyler, the game he had, you know, he's 0 for whatever from the field. I mean, it's just – you're not going to win many games like that against Kansas. And we, we, and, and, and I say that we, we, we really had our chances and maybe should have won even with him playing like that. So, and, and that kind of goes back to why I was maybe, incur, you know, partially encouraged by what I saw. It's like how we should not really how poorly we shot and how Kyler's so important to our team didn't even, didn't do much or anything. And we, you know, yet here we are, like still, sh- thinking we should have won the game that so yeah. whatever the reasons were that allowed us to be in it I'm, I'm, I think those will carry forward that's a good point it's like I said we're the recency bias you look at it and you're like how did we not win that game we should have won that game we blew it blah 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 but you actually look at the game and you're right we probably shouldn't have been in it <laughs> you know until to even have the chance to blow it and so that, that's probably a good way to look at it is there were there was enough encouraging that you saw that you can take and say like well we can you know reasonably expect this to continue so we should win some more games so I, I think it's it's possible I think we'll look back and say that Burton and Kyler played their worst Big Twelve games of the season yeah. in the same game against Kansas who's maybe the best team I don't know but they both both played their worst game and yet. Thinking we could have, could have, should have, maybe should have won, you know. And I, so, w- what's going to happen when they're not playing their worst game? Yeah. I, I, something good might happen. Yeah, that's true. And, and like you said, there's something to be said for Kyler. I don't have a ton of excuses, and I'm sure he wouldn't either. But Burton being his first Big 12 game, that's significant. I mean, I can't imagine he played many Kansases at Wichita State for as good as a schedule they might play. That's a different animal. And so, you know, maybe you – And can, a different kind of pressure too. Yeah, you can chalk some of that up too. Big 12 is a little different. So Yeah. But, man, that was good stuff. I enjoy talking basketball. <laughs> it's fun. So, anything else before we wrap this up? I don't think so. Just win. We just need to win. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Chris level. The new the Chris Level motto that he has for tech football. <laughs> or I guess his would be the opposite. Stop effing losing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We, basketball, we just need to win. All right, man. Well, uh, 
I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk some more basketball. Yes, sir. Thanks. Yep. Change my mind if you ever switch it up. Yeah.